Welcome, everybody. It's awesome to see you guys again. Um, it's been a busy week for some of us. I know some of us are doing exams. Some of us are finishing off assignments that need to be handed in. Um, and then while all of that is happening as well, some of us are planning travel trips. Uh, some of us are organizing leave from work. Um, there's lots happening right now. It's that time of year again where there's something in the air, you know, where there's this excitement. And amongst all of that, um, the Lord remains present with us and amongst us. Yeah, so last week we, um, we kind of rounded off our short series on David. So we're going to park that for now. Um, we'll probably come back to that again maybe in next year. Um, Pastor Andrew um, kind of rounded that off for us last week. By the way, Pastor Andrew has hurt his foot. Um, he, I think he's fractured a bone in his foot. So um, he, he's stuck with a boot. <laughs> so just remember him as well um, in your prayers um, during this time. So Christmas is 43 days away. <laughs> Apparently, Kirk isn't here. He would have been running laps. Um, it's quite a thought just to think that we are now at that stage. There's still such a lot happening, um, but Christmas seems to be um, around the corner as well. And so as we start to kind of realign our focus as we move into this season of the year again, um, we're going to start a short series as we, as we kind of approach Christmas, and we're going to be looking at Christmas themes um, to again begin to prepare us for what is for many people um, the most joyous time of celebration of the year. And as we go through this series and we look at different things, um, I hope that um, it would be a time that we can kind of again just reinvigorate ourselves, as we can again focus on what really is important, um, as we take a few snapshots um, of the part, this part of the story of God's love for us to remind us again that we have been redeemed for a purpose. Um, and that we are part of a story that has been unfolding since the beginning of the universe, which is quite a thought. And so this evening we're going to be looking at a, a little bit of theology. Um, I don't know if it's going to be heavy for us. Um, one encouraging thing in it is that we are going to be solely focused on who Jesus is. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about We'll touch maybe on the Trinity. We're going to look about the hypostatic union. Um, <laughs> Craig's excited. At least I'll have someone's attention. <laughs> but it is an important part of the puzzle of who God is. Um, and so I think it's helpful that we try to engage with these things that sometimes even mess with our understanding of who we think he is and how he operates um, whenever we can. Yeah, so, so when we get to this Christmas season, I had four possible themes for um, titles for this sermon, and I, and I kind of just landed on that one. Jesus number first. 
um, and we'll see how that goes. When we get to this part of the year, um, to the Christmas season, and we again start to think about the significance of what God has done for us, we, um, I think we often in some ways see the time of Christmas and the birth of Jesus as an, as an isolated story. And that Jesus only really came into being when he was born in Bethlehem um, so many um, generations ago. And so a lot of the fanfare around Christmas as we know kind of reinforces the idea that Christmas is the story about a baby being born who's the savior of the world. Um, and then within that, it's also a season of giving. It's a season of great joy. It's a season of glad tidings. But the message seems to be a message in isolation for many people. It kind of just stays there. It doesn't roll out into a fuller understanding of who God is into the rest of people's lives. It's kind of like, let's celebrate Christmas, and then the rest of the year we'll see how that goes. Um, but the Bible, however, gives us a different, more complete story of who Jesus is. And even what Jesus was doing before he was born as a baby in Bethlehem. Scripture speaks of Jesus spiritually pre-existing his human birth as a baby, but not in terms of created flesh and blood um, in the ways that we would think. Um, John's Gospel tells us that Jesus Christ became or was made flesh, and so it's a case of the creator becoming part of the creation. And so John says in chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, he describes it like this. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In those few verses there, John is very clearly describing for us a time before time as we know it now, which kind of boggles my mind. A time where time didn't exist. When Jesus was called the Word, because he hadn't been born as a baby and named Jesus yet, where Jesus is called the Word here, and he was with God the Father and was active in different ways. And we'll, we'll talk about some of those different ways in a moment. And there are also, besides the way John describes it here, there are a, a number of other scriptures that confirm this idea of who Jesus is. And so there is so much more, I think, to who Jesus is than possibly the images that we have in our mind, particularly around Christmas time. 
And so I just want to say, even as we, as we are talking about some of these things, that when we talk about um, pre-existence, um, it means existing before anything else. When I try to do that, I, th I, think, I think of a of a blank screen. What do you guys think of when I think of, of nothing existing? I think of, I don't know, what do you guys think of? Space. Black. Just blackness. The, even the notions that we have of nothingness, we find we have to anchor it into something. There's got to be something that helps me to understand that there's, there's nothing. And so it kind of messes with our idea here. When we really think about what the Bible is describing for us here, a time before time, a time before matter, before there was anything, and that was when Jesus was. Because we are talking about things that no human being was around to physically see. No humans were there yet. And we are talking about things that go beyond this realm that we exist in now. And so we try to describe a period, again, where there was no time and there was no matter. And the beginning as we know it hadn't begun yet. At the incarnation, the incarnation means... Um, God taking on human form, Jesus took on both a human nature as well as still having this divine essence in him. The two natures unified in a single person of who we call the Godhead that we just sang about now, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the glory of Christmas is that it is not the beginning of Jesus Christ. That kind of messes with me when I think about that. Christmas is so much more than what we engage with in the culture of the day. Long before that very first Christmas, Jesus' story had already begun. Not just in various prophecies that we read in the Old Testament, but in a divine person. And so Christmas may be the opening of the climactic chapter, but it is not the, begin the, the beginning of the word, if we use the language of John there. It is not the beginning of Jesus Christ. Jesus existed before he was born as a baby at the Incarnation. And this is not an idea that men and women have made up to kind of give Christianity more credibility or to make it sound more, now, wow, that's, that's awesome. No, this was not something that somebody fancifully made up. Because Jesus himself made the claim that he existed long before any significant person known to the Jews of his time. 
In fact, the Jews found what Jesus said about his pre-existence so offensive that they picked up stones to throw at him when he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am, in John chapter 8. You know, when Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, he was about 30 years old. And Abraham had died 1,700 years before Jesus was born. And so in the moment when Jesus said those words, it seemed a physical impossibility in this earthly realm to the Jews that Jesus could have been around before Abraham. And also it was evidence that Jesus was so much more than just the man standing in front of them. And so trying to understand how Jesus Christ can be both fully God and fully man at the same time stretches the limits of our finite minds, I think. Even the brightest minds, the cleverest people in the first few centuries of the church struggled to explain this reality. Now, I think one of the ways to get a better understanding of this idea of Jesus' existence before everything is to ask the question, what or how was Jesus before he became a baby born in a stable? Now, while the Bible does not provide an exhaustive answer, it does give us some indications. For example, in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. We're thinking here about what or how Jesus was before he became that baby born in the stable that we focus on around Christmas time. Also then, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, he says, Jesus, who being, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And then also in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9, the writer there says, But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels, for a little while. And so, Jesus was rich at one point, but in his incarnation, in his stepping into our humanness, he became poor. Jesus is God, but in his incarnation, in his stepping into our reality, he became as a servant. Jesus was infinitely high in status because he is God, 
But in his incarnation, in his stepping into the flesh, he became a little lower than the angels because he became a man. And that, I think, helps us in some way as the scripture describes there for us some of who or how Jesus is. I struggle to find the words there just to understand or to communicate that. But another helpful question for us is, what was Jesus doing before he took on the flesh of a human being? And I want to mention just four things that scripture describes for us. Here's the first thing. First, from all eternity, Jesus, the Son, has been enjoying the love and the glory that he shares with God the Father. Shortly before his death, Jesus prayed in John chapter 17 and verse 24. He said, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. And so the first thing that we can notice there is that Jesus was receiving the worship of the heavenly hosts that he so rightly deserves. That's the first point that scripture shows us that Jesus was doing before he stepped into our reality. The second thing is this. The Bible identifies Jesus the Son as the creator of all things. Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, he says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And so these passages that we see there in Colossians, we also see it in John chapter 1 and verse 1, also in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 6, they make it clear that Jesus, the Son of God, created everything in the universe. That's the second point. The third point is this. Before his incarnation, his stepping into our reality, Jesus, the Son of God, was sustaining the universe. The author of Hebrews in chapter 1 and verse 3 says this. He says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Also in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 17, Paul says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And then there are, I found a range of other scriptures as well that describe how Jesus is able to hold everything together. How he makes provision for all, all of creation in our reality. In Psalm 147, a few verses there, he says this. The writer of Psalms describes him like this. 
He says, he covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and makes grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. He sends his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. And then verse 16 in Psalm 147, he spreads the snow like wool and scatters the frost like ashes. He hurls down his hail like pebbles. Who can withstand his icy blast? He sends his word and melts them. He stirs up his breezes and the waters flow. Jesus is at work right now, holding all of creation in its place. And so the reason that the universe continues to exist is because Jesus, the Son of God, sustains it. Here's number four. Jesus was preparing to redeem his people. In John chapter 17, verses 4 to 6, Jesus refers to the Father giving him work to accomplish and a people to redeem. And this is what he says. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. It is only when the fullness of time came did God the Father send his Son Jesus into the world to carry out his mission. And so while the Bible doesn't speak extensively about what Jesus was doing before he was born as that baby in Bethlehem, it does show him as the creator, as the sustainer of the universe, as the God who was receiving angelic worship while awaiting the time when he would take on flesh for our redemption. And so there is so much more that can be said about this pre-existent state of Jesus. And most of what can be said, I have found, leads us to having many more questions. And so we haven't even touched on the Trinity as we have discovered what Jesus has been busy with before he stepped into our reality, as it were. But God as Trinity also transcends our understanding. God is greater than our finite minds, minds can completely grasp. And Scripture doesn't really explain how it is that the one God can exist as the Trinity. It just gives us the basic facts. And the facts are that there is only one God... But the Father is God, the Son is divine, and the Holy Spirit is also divine. Jesus, the Son, is before and he is better than anything in this created world. 
And so Jesus, as we saw, was created before time as we know and experience it. And he existed before matter as we know and experience it, the stuff that we are made of. And his pre-existence calls us with a quiet reminder that it is only fitting for someone like Jesus to be the greatest treasure in our hearts. I'm going to call on the worship team to come up. You know, Christmas is far more than the celebration of a great man's birth. God himself, in the second person of the Godhead, entered into our space and into our frail and broken humanity. Surrounded by our sin and our fallenness to rescue us. He came and he became one of us. God sent God. The Father gave his own Son for us and for our own salvation.